0: Welcome to the Crossing Church Podcast. This week, our lead pastor, Greg Dumas, kicks off a new series titled, Occupy the Gates. We hope you enjoy this weekend's message. Hello, hello and welcome. God bless you. Come on, can we give it up for our campus at South Shore Plant City, what's up? God bless you, amen. Incredible pastors, incredible pastors. Uh, I wanna pray, and this is I Came up to the platform up here, just wanted to ask a question. I feel like the Lord is asking us this question. Anybody dealing with a heart issue? Dealing with a heart issue? Somebody in the house? Okay, multiple. All right, can we pray for that? Can we just, and if you, you don't have to keep your hands raised. I'm sorry, I don't wanna objectify too much, but thank you. Anybody else dealing with a heart issue? I had some right in front of me. Anybody else? In the back, back there, right here as well. Okay, I saw your wife raising your hand. That's pretty awesome. Okay, that's when you know the love is taking place right there. Right? Can we, can we pray for heart issues? Father, we pray in the name of Jesus that you would heal. You'd heal right now. And God, whatever the heart issue is, if it's uh, an arrhythmia of some kind, Lord Jesus, if it's some sort of valve issue, if it's a muscular issue, if it's some sort of electrical, chemical issue, Father, we're, we're asking in the name of Jesus that you would heal. In Jesus' name and all God's people said. Amen. Can we thank the Lord? Amen. Uh, we're in a new series called Occupy the Gates. Occupy the Gates. And let me encourage you, uh, if, if there's a word that's given that's what we just did, if there's a word that's given and it applies to you and God moves in your life, he moves immediately, he moves tomorrow, he moves, um, make sure to connect the dots with that and let somebody know what God is doing. We're, where I'm gonna share in just a minute. God's just doing really, really neat stuff in the life of the crossing. He really is just, he's just moving. So the new series is called Occupy the Gates, and we're positioning ourselves to be influenced uh, in the world across the street and around the world for God's kingdom and what he does. And uh, I wanted to start with a vision painting that was that was done by a young man some years ago here at the crossing. I just feel like God's renewing this vision for us. And uh, it, it's a painting of the inside of the auditorium. You see up here is... Uh, at the Tampa campus. And of course, we have other campuses, South Shore and Plant City, whoop, whoop. And, um, and so the vision um, comes from Revelation chapter three. I'll talk about that a little bit more in just a second. But a, a gentleman named Nate Baranowski painted this for us. And some years ago, he was a, <clears throat> a struggling chalk artist. He did art uh, with chalk. And so he would do murals and chalk and His wife, he and his wife Jill are are, are the most wonderful people you've ever met in the world. And they're in Chicago right now. Um, They moved to Chicago. We won't hold that against them. Um, But they're in Chicago. She's a medical doctor going to medical school. And uh, he was asking at that time years ago, What do I do to make a living with chalk art? And, but he said, I feel like God's asking me to use my gift and to work in chalk art. And, so today, God has graduated him. That is a one-dimensional plane on concrete. Uh, and so God has elevated him in a way that is really pretty miraculous. Go to the next one. Here's a, a gator, all right? There's the gator chomp. Um, and then it gets more elaborate here. You'll see him, that's just a sidewalk that he actually did with chalk art. And so you can see him uh, supposedly on the rope there. I just And there's a book that I wanna reference for you. It's called The Dream Giver by Bruce Wilkinson. And uh, wherever you are in following the Lord, I just want to encourage you, make sure that you're hearing from him and then follow him. He'll take you to where he wants you to be. He'll take you. He will. So. Back to the painting that he painted here. This is inside uh, uh, of the uh, auditorium here at the Tampa campus. Um, So you can see the the platform here. I really feel like this is uh, out of Revelation chapter three that the Holy Spirit of God's gonna move. He's speaking from him who has the keys of David. That means there's favor and an open door and that the Holy Spirit will move and it'll affect our city and thousands of people. And um, God has done wonderful things in the life of the Crossing Church and he's just renewing those things again. Just recently, uh, about a month and a half ago, maybe two months ago, there was a young lady who had a really strange circumstance, went downstairs to talk to her mother for breakfast. She seized, she had a seizure. She passed out with the seizure. She had a grand mal seizure, it turned into this big seizure. She had a heart attack and lost all bodily function. Uh, her brain shut off, she had no brain activity whatsoever, and she was in the hospital for several days. Our intern, she's a part of our intern worship team. They went to the hospital and they just said, "We just believe that she's going to get, she's going to be raised from the dead." She had. I just, I know some of you hear me say that and you're like, "Oh, time for breakfast. I got to go." No, really. They just, they, they said, "We really believe." She had no brain function whatsoever. They prayed outside of her hospital room and. Of course, lots of our staff was there, and um, sure enough, her brain came online, her bodily functions came online, and she is healthy as she could be. She has no brain damage whatsoever. And uh, this is her. Her name is Faith, a beautiful young lady. Come on, let's give it up again. It just, she's just amazing. This, so it's really, and here's what the Lord, here's what the Lord said as a sort of rekindling. He said, I'm resurrecting Faith. So now you got it yes. and now you understand what I'm saying. I'm resurrecting faith and, and so I want to release that word just as I begin to teach today, God's resurrecting faith. He's, he's resurrecting faith and so a lot of times what we see in the scripture isn't exactly what we see in our own lives and uh, I, I just believe that God is doing something new and fresh and he wants the gospel to go to all the, the earth and if that's true, yeah, you can clap for that. You can, we, we love to clap at the crossing. Your- you know what i mean we're, we're clapping folks if we're going to reach the world with the gospel if we really are and if we want to see people saved and healed and set free and delivered and that is a whole lot more than coming to church i'm so thankful that you're here with us and wherever you are around the world god is awesome glad that you're joining in this community god wants to do something in you and through you he wants to do something for you and so first, we want to agree together. The Bible says where there are two or more gathered together, Jesus is in their midst. And so Jesus is in our midst across our campuses, around the world, because we're gathered together on official Jesus business. And where we are on official Jesus business, and that can take place anywhere, it can take place on a fishing boat, Yee. It can take place anywhere you want it to be. As long as you're, your devotion is towards the Lord, he's present in the midst. And We're asking him now that he would give us revelation, that that worship couldn't give us alone, it has to come through the Holy Spirit. That teaching alone wouldn't give us, it has to come through the Holy Spirit. And so we're agreeing together that you would take your stand, that we, that, that me, that I would take my stand, that we would take our stand. Here's what the scripture says, Ephesians 6, 10 through 14, and then we'll jump down to 18. Some of you are real familiar with this passage. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand. Everybody say, Stand. Stand. All right, that was good. You guys are ready to go. Take your stand against the devil's schemes. Here's the reason why. And we'll mention stand another three times in this passage. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, our struggle, your struggle isn't with your spouse. Your struggle isn't even with <clears throat> you necessarily your struggle is with the influence on the enemy influence of the enemy working on your mind so that you would agree with him and when you agree with him he has you trapped your your struggle isn't against our struggle isn't against the school board can i get an amen Our struggle is not against the school board. Our struggle is with the philosophies and the doctrines of demons that have been educating school board members. So instead of being adversarial with our school board, we need to serve the school board. Some of you are quiet now. Instead of being adversarial… We need to submit ourselves to serve, and when we do, God raises the Holy Spirit on us, and then we're able to influence the people who are around us. God, God says, the kingdom suffereth violence, and the violence take it by force. That violence isn't necessarily a clash. The Bible says right here, it's not a clash of flesh and blood. It's a clash of spirits. There, there is a spiritual element to every problem that we face to every single problem we face. And so God goes on and he says, here's here's the class of of things that you're dealing with, the the demonic forces, the rulers, the authorities, the powers, and the spiritual forces. That means from the nymph mode, and I'm talking about sort of the lower uh, sort of demonic forces all the way up to the demonic forces that rule worldly and heavenly realms like in D.C. No, I'm actually, I'm I'm actually, this is really true. It goes in rank and file, the raps, the rulers, the authorities, the powers, and then the spiritual forces. And they're like military alignments. The enemy is no dummy. He's, you know what I mean? He's not, he's not good. He's consistent. He knows exactly what to do. And he's been doing it for a long, long time. And so he orders his rank and file from the smallest to the greatest for influence. And what he wants to do is he wants to change our behavior by saying things to us over and over and over and over until we believe them. That's what happens at the gate. We're going to talk about that in just a second. You can displace the enemy at the gate. And if you can displace him from the gate, you can occupy the space where he has been. You can can displace him. And so quickly, that means our minds, our families, our church, our city, our region, the state, the nation, and the world. And as right now in history, as America goes, so goes the world. As as America goes, so goes the world, literally the world population, all of us in the globe. As America goes, so goes. And so what this is, the gates are a metaphor. And when we say metaphor, it means I'm talking about something and then i'm i'm saying it points to this the metaphor is the gate is the mind the gate is the mind the gate is a family how many of you know that what the things we've got to take captive every thought for jesus christ and we got to pull down the strongholds because if you let a stronghold be constructed in your mind then you have to obey the stronghold so a metaphor becomes a manifestation a manifestation means that as an outward thing that happens, our thinking turns into our actions, which turns into our patterns. And so our, yeah, our patterns, then we come to the Lord and we say, God, help me change my pattern. He says, I want to change your thinking. I want to cha- and when I change your thinking, I'll change your actions, which change the pattern. I, I, and, and so as uh, so when we think about these things, we're, we're going to talk about um, gates. We're going to talk about walls next week. You don't want to miss it. Next week we're going to talk about walls and then we're going to talk about mountains of influence and how we can displace the enemy and take our place. Come on, somebody say, take my place. I'm just, just taking your place. Just taking the place that God has for you in this world, taking the place. And so when we think about these things uh, in the church, if there's a philosophy that invades the church from the society, then we can end up preaching what's taking place out there and not preaching what's come from the scripture. In other words, it's the doctrine. Can Can I just say this over and over? Is it okay? The doctrine of demons. The doctrine of demons then ends up infiltrating the church and instead of the church setting the culture, the culture sets the church. Okay, so, and think about families. When you think about families, I, I, I want you to know what, that when a, a, a father, when a father, whatever a father sees is a gate to an opening to the whole family. Now I know that's sobering. It is sobering. Why, is, why do I mention the father? Because the father is the head of the household. In God's economy, the father is to take a place. Does it mean, okay, wives and husbands, come on everybody, wives and husbands are co-equal. They, they, are, they rule and reign together. Can I get an amen? amen. Okay, I gotta be careful this day and age. Especially Latin ladies will be like, what's up? What's up, bro? I got a chancleta for you. Um, We're equal, completely equal in substance, not equal in position. Position matters to God. And what a man opens himself to, he opens his wife to, he opens his sons and daughters to. So I want to encourage you. So, so listen, as some of you are clapping, some of you are going, oh crap. Here's what I want you to do. Listen, just close the door. Whatever's open that should not be open, fall on your knees, ask God through the power of the Holy Spirit to close the door. Because if you don't close the door, what you entertain will entertain them. Okay, if the door's open, ask God through the power of the Holy Spirit to close the door. In education, things start as a metaphor. What started 70 years ago in grade school as a metaphor, philosophies, doctrines, Is now being lived out as a manifestation in the White House are you with me so we have to stop things at the metaphorical level we got to stop things when they're little we got to stop things we got to stop things at the gates of our minds and then our families and then the church and then education and then media and arts and entertainment right I mean, how much do they shape our culture and what we do? Media, arts, and entertainment, business, and then right on to government and principalities. God has given us the ability. We must displace the enemy at the gate. So what I'm sharing with you is a prayer strategy. Uh, Everybody say, how should I displace him? You guys are jamming today. Uh, I'm so glad you asked, (laughs) by prayer and fasting. By prayer and fasting, you'd say, isn't there something more fancy than that? Mm -mm. This kind only comes out by prayer and fasting, by prayer and fasting, and so what I'm doing is I'm setting the template this week and next week and the week after for a prayer and fasting strategy. I'm going to preach the gospel. And this strategy we're gonna employ in January. You say, why are you teaching a strategy in November to employ in January? It's easy. Because what happens is when we get to Thanksgiving, we have a trip to fan and trip. <laughs> and we fall down and then we wake up in January. Are you with me? And so what I wanna do is I wanna set the stage for us. Some <laughs> of you are like, yeah, that's right. It's a couple of weeks away. The strategy I want to get logged in so that whoever wants to join us for the 21 days of fasting and prayer that start the second week of January, we can have the same information to start on the same page and we can affect the world so that we can change what God's doing in your life, your family's life, in our schools, around us. I'm gonna actually have you sign up. And by the way, the content of what you'll hear over the next couple of weeks, this week and the next two weeks, was from a brother, a friend of mine who's a pastor. He was a pastor for years and years and years, and he just humbly gave me some of this content, actually, the, the content that you'll hear and most of the message coming from the rest of what I do. He handed me this document and he just, he was kind of like a sensei. Ooh, he was like, he said, he said, he said, I, th- I just, I feel like God has some inroads with this content, and so I want to give credit where credit is due. And I just, can you just thank the Lord for people who hear from God? They just hear from the Lord. Twenty-one days of fasting and prayer. So it is a, a strategy, a structure. And when we get to January, I'm going to have you actually sign up. We're going to take our place on the wall. That's next week. I'm gonna have you sign up by families and say, what am I gonna do? I'm gonna say, I don't know. I'm gonna let, let you pray and hear from God. I want, you to, I want you to hear from God and then I want you to activate and do what God says to do. And sometimes that's gonna be in, in various places. I need to be careful, I'll start preaching next week's message. Let me get going. <clears throat> so we're called to stand. Everybody say stand. Stand. And we're called to displace. Everybody say displace. All right, stand in the gate, displace the enemy, and you have authority to do it. There's a promise to Abraham in Genesis 22:17. 17. God says to Abraham, you will occupy, occupy the gates of your enemies. Then he says another promise to Rebecca's family when he was about to marry Isaac, when she was about to marry Isaac in Genesis 24, 60. And her family says to her, tens of thousands of thousands, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, that you would occupy the gates of your enemies enemy and then god gives commissions he gave the the commission in genesis to rule over the earth and to subdue it this is from the lord and so i want to ask you a question as i'm starting to move through this more quickly do you feel like you rule and reign for jesus lots of i i just think lots of times lots of us don't feel like we're ruling and reigning and so God's command says, I want you to rule on the earth, and I want you to subdue it. Now, I'm going to unpack this a little bit because we can get the wrong idea. Then there's the first commission, and then there's a great commission. The great commission, Matthew 28, 19, go into all the world to make disciples and baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, of the Holy Spirit, and law will be with you until the end of the age. Go, if you're a Christian, go find people, share Jesus with them, and to- Turn them toward a Godward orientation. I almost couldn't get that out. Turn them. Turn them. Turn them. them. Now you're with me. Turn them. Turn them. Show them the truth and turn them towards the glory of God so that people who worship, I'm gonna say it again, you ready? Worship demonic philosophies, start to worship God as their savior. Start to worship him. So it's it's a complete change. It's a metamorphosis. It's a complete change. Mind, emotion, and then submission of the will. Complete turning to the Lord. Change them, make them disciples. But there's also a commission that comes before that, many chapters before, in Matthew chapter 10, and Jesus is sending out the disciples, it's the first round of them going out, and he says, I want you to heal the sick, I want you to raise the dead, and I want you to cleanse the leper. And so for the American church today, we say, what is Christianity? And we say, coming to church, and getting oriented to the Bible, and being a good person, we hear this all the time, being a good person. Jesus didn't come, listen, just to make you a good person. Jesus came to make dead people alive. That's what he came to do, to make the dead live. And the commission of the gospel isn't just to be a good person. It's to walk into your office building and to have so much of the Holy Spirit on you that people around you start asking you, who in the world do you serve? What's different about you? What's different about you? And, and that we pray and the sick are healed, the dead are raised. We just saw a few months ago, and I know I can't overstate it in our church, I, we just saw a girl who was dead come back to life. She's on, she sings on stage. You come see her on Wednesday at noon prayer. You can actually say, what's up? What's up, faith? God's resurrecting faith. He's resurrecting faith. But unless we get confused about what the commissions are, and uh, let's look at this, Lance Wall now and Bill Johnson wrote a book, The Seven Mountain Mandate, and I just wanna give you a little excerpt. We've been given authority to rule over the entire planet. However, kingdom authority is different than typically understood by many believers. It's the authority to set people free from torment and disease. Can I get an Amen. amen. That's the authority we've been given. To destroy the works of darkness. It's the authority to move the resources of heaven through creative expression to meet human need. In other words, it's to gain resource, but not to gain resource, to get, to gain resource, to give. It's to gain resource, to give. It's the authority to bring heaven to earth. It's the authority to serve, to serve, to serve. Jesus served with the heart of a king, but ruled with the heart of a servant. This is, essential. this is an essential combination. It must be embraced by those longing to shape the course of history. Do you want to do something supernatural? Yes. Royalty is my identity. Servanthood is my assignment. Intimacy with God is my life source. Now, watch this, watch this. So before God, I'm intimate. Before people, I'm a servant. Before the powers of hell, I'm a ruler with no tolerance for their influence. That's a mouthful. And wisdom knows which role to play. Wisdom knows which role. As with most kingdom principles, the truths of humanity's dominion and authority are dangerous in the hands of those who desire to rule over others. If you are like, oh, yes. I had a pastor one time that called me and he said, it's great to be the king. I said, you have misunderstood. You have misunderstood. Jesus ruled as a king, and served as a servant. He donned the towel and washed the disciples' feet. The greatest of all became the least of all. These concepts seem to validate some people's selfishness, but when these truths are expressed through a humble servant, the world is rocked to its core. Becoming servants to the world is the key. It's the keys of David, the key to open doors of possibilities that are generally thought of as closed or forbidden. When we start to serve, church, when we serve, when we say, I'm gonna serve my wife, I'm gonna serve my husband, I'm gonna serve the school board, I'm gonna serve the city. When we say, we're gonna go and serve the city and we're gonna find out where the blight is and where the trouble is, and we're gonna go in with the Holy Spirit and we're not gonna be holier than thou, we're gonna submit ourselves to the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings, and when we do, there's gonna be a move of the Holy Spirit that moves out of the places in the city and the city is gonna say, where in the world have you been? Can you please come and serve? Can you please come and serve? I think we should have people uh, serving our students and our teachers in every classroom. I, not every classroom. That would be a lot. Actually, in every school in Hillsborough County. I feel like that's what we need. Don't you think teachers struggle enough? Amen, <laughs> Amen is right. If you're a school teacher, you're like Lord Jesus. <laughs> we have authority. <clears throat> Matthew sixteen fifteen. He said to them but who do you say i am jesus is talking to the disciples and he says this to the disciples who do you say i am who who when you leave here today after you leave from church who do you say that i am and peter answered him you are the christ the son of the living god and jesus said to him blessed are you sarmon simon bar jonah because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you but my father who is heaven who is in heaven, and I say to you, that on this rock, Petros, Peter, upon your confession of faith, I will build my church. Upon the confession of faith, I'll build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail over that. When you confess Christ as Savior, when you leave this place and you said, Jesus is Lord, so let's make the determination now. Let's make the determination right here, right now. Jesus is Lord over your mind. Jesus is Lord over your family. Jesus is Lord over your business. Jesus is Lord over the school. Jesus is Lord over our city. Jesus is Lord over our nation. Then you will take your place at the gate. And when the enemy comes with his lies, you will say, I will not receive the lie. I'll receive the fact that Jesus is the Lord and I'll build on that. It's just a lot longer building process. It's a lot longer. It's a lot harder. When you when you're running with the devil, Sorry, that just popped out if you're if you're brand new i have add a lot i'm thinking four thoughts while i'm preaching every time if you're running with the enemy it's easy when you start running with god the enemy makes it hard so i want to show you the gates i want to i want to wrap the service by showing you some gates This is the old city of Jerusalem back in the time of Nehemiah. And I pray that we can identify with the gates and the journey and that you would follow God in your journey, that you would just say, I'm, I'm going to take my stand. I know that I have authority. I know that I'm going to displace the enemy. And so when we talk about the gates, I'm going to go from uh, facing here. I'm going to go left to right counterclockwise. And there are 10 of these gates. And I just want to walk you through the gates here uh, quickly as we land the plane. All right. The sheep gate, and and the gates are important. Why are the gates important, you ask? Because the gates are the places where we come in and out to worship at the temple. Remember, Israel was disbanded. They were disloyal to the Lord, they were disbanded. They were in captivity for 70 years in Babylon, and God brought them back through prophets like Nehemiah, Ezra, Nehemiah, and Esther, the post-exilic prophets. And they came back and said, I want you to take control again of these gates. I want you to build again the walls, why? Because the worship of God is really important. The inner place of your life, the inner place of the church, the inner place of the city is really, really important. And I want you to worship God. I want you to reinstitute the word. I want you to reinstitute what was broken down when you fell away from the Lord. And so these 10 gates are the gates coming in and out to the worship of the Lord. And the sheep gate is the place where we recognize for the first time that Jesus is Lord. And so I'm speaking to some of you today that that are just, you're watching and you're listening and you're wondering about Christ. This is the place where you find out that Jesus shed his blood for us, that he's the lamb of God that was slain before the foundation of the world. There's a story of a young boy who was eight years old and his sister, unfortunately, she was sick, she developed leukemia. And when she did, uh, uh, they had the same blood type. His parents went to the little boy and and he said, you have to share your blood with her. We need one pint of blood. Would you give her the pint? He thought about it for a long time. He said, can I go to bed, Christian family, can I go to bed and pray and give you the answer in the morning? They said yes. They got up in the morning. The boy said yes. A few days later, they went to the hospital together. They're both on the gurney, the eight-year-old boy, the six-year-old girl. And as they were on the gurneys together, he could see his blood going from him through the little uh, apparatus going to his sister who was six and dripping into, give her a life source. The doctor came over. He was very concerned. The young boy was very concerned. And the doctor came over and said, "Uh, how are you doing? At that point, the eight-year-old boy said, "Uh, when do I start to die? You see, in his eight-year-old mind, him saying yes to his mom and dad to give a pint of blood meant that his blood was going to leave his body, and he was going to lose his life by giving his blood to his sister. And when we recognize how much it costs Christ to give us his blood, then we fully receive from Jesus what he's done for us. And, and I just want to say to some, somebody who's out there, he gave it all for you. He gave it all. So when you say yes to him, when you say yes to Jesus, you're saying yes to the total sacrifice that he'd bled and died on the cross for you. And when you receive him, when you say yes to him, all of him gets downported to you. All of Christ. That's the sheep, that's the sheep gate. And then we go to the fish gate and the fish gate is this journey that we start to take with the Lord and we start to serve him and we're really excited about the gospel and, and that's when we're able to witness to anybody. Why? Because you know, you're just so excited about Jesus. You're filled up and you've got life in you and I mean, you're just sharing about the Lord. And, and this is the time, and there are a lot of people in our church that are right here right now. This is the time when you start not thinking so much about your occupation. You start thinking about being occupied by the spirit of God. Because Jesus came to the fishermen, it was their occupation, and he said, follow me and become fishers of men. So there are many people in the life of the crossing right now that are, whatever business you're in, whatever service you're in, whatever you do for a career, Jesus comes now in this phase of the gospel and he says to us, he says to you and he says to me, hey, I know that that's your career. Now, I want you to be occupied with something else other than your career, and I want you to be occupied with my spirit. Come and serve me. Follow me. We go around the the next turn of the gate, and we get down to the old gate, and in between here and here, Christians get a little bit bored, and we start looking for new things. Uh, You know, we we start looking for something that's a little bit more fancy or, or something that's a little bit more expressive, whatever that might mean. And the Lord is saying to you, and He's saying to me, hey, you don't need anything fancy. What you need is the old things. What you need is fasting and prayer, and you need the word of God. Come on, somebody. You need the word of God. You don't need, you, you, you don't need the newest, the greatest, the latest. What you need is to, to spend time with the Lord. You need to get in a quiet place, and you need to uh, lock yourself in with him, and you need to say, God, speak to me. I need you. This is the old gate that we return to the old ways. And then this journey is kind of a long journey down to the valley gate. And in the valley gate, God does some miraculous things. It's a a place where Christians are challenged with trial, trial and difficulty and strain and struggle. And for many Christians, when we get to this place, down here at the valley gate is when we leave. There are so many people that leave, and I wanna encourage you, don't leave, press in. Don't leave. I don't know what the challenge is. Don't leave. Press in. My wife and I were in, in seminary together. And, uh, we had our first baby, Tori. She's now 25 and beautiful and has a baby. But at that point in time, full time seminary, working full time, my wife was working, raising a baby, and she would not sleep through the night. Now, if you have a baby that doesn't, sleep, anybody have young kids? Everybody, have young kids. Okay, is it important that they sleep through the night? Okay. Yeah, it's ultra important, ultra. She had an issue with her esophagus and when we laid her down, she would cry like somebody was sawing her in half. It wasn't just like a baby crying or colic and we had everybody teaching us. You know, we had the LaLiche League that just said, just, you know, just breastfeed her. And then we had the other league that was saying, you know what I mean? You can't do that. You got to lock her in the room for 40 minutes and let her cry. And my poor wife was just like this one or this one or this one. None of it worked. She didn't sleep through the, through the night until she was 14 months old. And at a point in time, she was so tired and so sick, and we were so tired and so sick, she got pneumonia. And I remember holding her. So we're in seminary, we're serving the Lord. And I'm saying, Have you ever had these, you ever had these, these times in your life when you said to Jesus, Jesus, if you don't change this by the morning? Come on, somebody. Here's what I want you to know in the valley, Gate. He often doesn't change what we're asking him to change. He changes us in the middle of the difficult time. The valley, church, the valley. On the mountaintop when everything is awesome is not the time when we grow. And and to update the story, um, instead of healing my daughter, what God did is he gave my wife a song. So in the middle of the night at 3 a.m., you know, I'm thinking about going to class the next day and studying jobs, the whole pressure, all the pressure in the valley gate, the the difficulties of the valley gate. What God did is gave her a song. And so at three o'clock in the morning, we would take shifts with her and I could hear my wife singing and, and the Holy Spirit would just invade our house. The Holy Spirit would literally just come and invade our house and rest on us. And we learned in that season of the valley that God sometimes doesn't change circumstances, but he gives us a song in the middle of the difficult circumstances. And when you learn that, we can clap for that, that's good. When you learn that, then you bloom in this special kind of way. And and there's just, I I found a photo that I think is is fitting. And so... Remember, when you're up here, there's not a lot that grows up there. But when you're down here, that's rich soil that the Lord wants to use in your life. And so instead of pushing away from that, we want to push into those valley seasons. And the Lord did heal her. We got the right doctor, gave her the right medicine. She actually had to take five medicines. Lord Jesus. But she was better, and she's beautiful, and has a baby, and Jesus is good. So God... <laughs> Then the next phase happens in our life. And after we come out of that valley season, we go to the dung gate. (laughs) Yep. I said dung. (laughs) And in the dung gate, we find out that we're tired of sitting or being around our own rubbish. Here's a, here's a photo. This is in Mumbai, India. That's, that's a, that's a real, that's a real place and a real photo. And when we find out that we're tired, and you can take the photo down, that's enough looking at it, we find out that we're tired of sitting in our own rubbish, we say to God, God, I need you to come now with holy fire. And I need you to purify my life. And sometimes we have people say, when I come to services, I just cry. And I don't, I mean, things have been okay for a while. I come to church, I feel more pressure. I said, that's normal. I feel like I have so much sin in my life. I said, you're in the right place. Because whenever you feel that conviction, that that when you're saying, God, I really, the more you feel that, the more ready you are for God to cleanse you with fire and for you to be whole. For God to just purify your life and to stand up. And this is the point in time when you take a sharp turn and you go up to ascend the wall now and you go to the fountain gate. And at the fountain gate, you learn that the Lord is healing you and forgiving you and washing you and cleansing you. And we go through this wonderful journey until we get to the Watergate, and at the Watergate, it doesn't mean what happened in the United States. At the Watergate is where we're baptized with the Holy Spirit. And there's a picture of this. We just get washed by the water, the cleansing of the water, the word, and God fills us up and then out of our, our our being comes this living water, John 7. And God starts to move and, and what you say is different and what you do is different and how you see the world is different and God does something in you that you've never seen before in this journey. If you go back, as you've walked through these seasons and now we're ready for the horse gate, which is the place where we dispossess the enemy. And the horse gate is a place where we do war. It's the place where we mount up with the Holy Spirit and we say to God, God, I can't displace the enemy in my mind, but you can. I can't displace him at the school, but you can. I can't displace him uh, uh, in our city, but you can. And when a whole bunch of Christians find out where they are in the life of the gate and then they express to God, God, I have to have you, then we will have a holy war in our city. We will have a holy war and God's calling for it. God's I, I don't think we can, let me just say this publicly. I don't think we can stay where we are. I really don't think we can stay where we are. In other words, we can't hide in the church any longer. We have to, we have, to have the power of the Holy Spirit and we have to go from here out there. We, we have to. We have to, church. And then we come to the East Gate. And the East Gate, traditionally, if you go to Jerusalem, the East Gate is closed. It's sealed off. It was taken over by the Ottoman Empire in 1530. I want you to see the picture. And so that's a Muslim radical group and they put a cemetery in front of the gate. This is the actual East Gate. And the East Gate is important because it's closest to the place of worship inside the temple. And so it's physically walled off right now, but I want you to know that Jesus says when he returns and it's keeping our eye on the fact that Jesus is coming back, church. He's coming back. And when he does what is physically bound right now, the Bible says in Zechariah that he will land on the earth. And I say land because I see him coming in like a 747. Jesus is gonna land, he's gonna go to Jerusalem and he is going to, there's gonna be an earthquake and it's gonna cleave, Zechariah says, it's gonna cleave to the north and the south. The gate is gonna be burst open and he will walk into, if you go back to the picture, he will walk into the temple he will walk into the temple and he will say to the world, I am the resting place of God on earth. And the last gate is the inspection gate. And at the inspection gate is where we come to the Lord, (laughs) however we've lived our life. And he says to me, and he says to you, show me how you've lived for me. And I know that can be humbling, but it's actually a place where at the Bema Seat Judgment, we receive crowns of glory. And so there are, many, there are many crowns, there's five categories of crowns that are given to us. And I want you to go and look in the notes and the scripture and the crowns are handed to us and we're rewarded. And so there's this reward system when we get to heaven for having served the Lord. I, I just think it's amazing. I think it's awesome. I think it's fun. And then at the end of the reward ceremony, if you could picture all this, the hundreds of millions of Christians around the world who've served God and just different rewards and crowns. And at the end of it, every person takes off their crown and every person kneels and all the crowns are laid at the feet of Jesus. And today is one of those days Today is one of those times, right now is when we lay a crown at the feet of Jesus and we say, God, I want to worship you in a way that I've never worshiped you before. I want to serve you in a way that I've never served you before. I want to honor you in a way that I've never honored you before. How many of you today, just by the raise of hands, how many of you want to live for Jesus and take your position in the world? Come on. How many of you want to? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Father, we thank you for the grace that you give us. And if if you're a believer right now, why don't you join me in praying? Father, we give you our lives right now. We give you our lives. And if you're a Christian, you just begin to pray. We give you our lives. We give you everything that we have. We give you our hearts and our minds. And we believe, we believe, we believe that you're resurrecting faith. And we ask you for an outpouring of your spirit, a move of your grace. In Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Now would you join me in a prayer of salvation? Every voice right here across the world, wherever you are, say Lord Jesus, today's a day. I give you my life. Say, I give you my life. I surrender. We hope you enjoyed that message from our lead pastor, Greg Dumas. Don't forget you could subscribe to our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash crossing church. There you can watch all of our messages on demand and our live broadcasts. You can also download the Crossing Church app by searching for Crossing Church Tampa in your app store. We look forward to worshiping with you this weekend. For all times and locations, visit wearecrossing.com.